This is the Book Marketing Action Podcast, and I'm Becky Robinson. Since 2012, my team and I have partnered with more than 100 authors to launch more than 130 business books. On this podcast, I'll share the best insights and actionable ideas from our work so that you can implement sustainable activities to reach your goals for your book. Whether you're a seasoned author looking to breathe new life into your book or someone who dreams of writing a book someday, this podcast will help you be more successful in getting results as an author. Hey there, Christy. I'm so happy to have a conversation with you today about the importance of a great title and a beautiful cover for authors. Hi, Becky. I'm glad to be back with you. And I agree. Uh, Book title and book cover are crucial. They're the first thing a shopper sees and they can make a difference. You know, they say don't judge a book by its cover, but we all do judge books by their covers. We sure do. And while it is possible to change your title and cover later, once you start the path and you've published a book with a certain title or cover, people start to get name recognition or recognize the cover. So it really is an important decision that will be with you for a long time. So I know today we want to talk about some general ideas for selecting a great title and cover for your book. And then we also want to dive into some topics that are specific for self-published authors and then some that are important for traditionally published authors. So let's first talk about these general ideas, Christy. What's the first thing that someone should be aware of as they're moving from the place of working on a book to transition to selecting a title and a cover? I think one of the things to keep in mind, and I think it's the biggest trap that I see authors fall into is that as they're writing their book, they come up with a title and they fall in love with it. This is the title. This is the only title they can see. And sometimes that title may resonate for them, but not for their audience or their the bigger world. And oftentimes we find that the language that an author uses to describe their work is not the language that the people who find them and come to them use. And so there's a disconnect between how the author thinks about the work and how the people who are consuming the work think about it. I think that's the number one trap. Don't fall in love with your title. Don't get stuck there. You know, having thought about book ideas myself, I know how easy it can be to fall into that trap. And so one of the things that I would caution anyone if you're going down the path of crafting a new book is to consider your title a working title. All the times that we've worked with authors, they'll come to us and they'll say, hey, you know, I'm working on a book. Here's the title. And especially if they're traditionally publishing, the chances of that working title becoming the actual title are slim because your publisher is going to want to make sure that you select a title that will be strong in the market. Oftentimes, that working title that you've fallen in love with is not the one that your publisher will stand behind. So hold on to that working title loosely. Realize that it is just that, a working title. And when it comes time to select a title, Chrissy, then what what do authors need to do to get beyond that idea that they first fell in love with to the idea that will actually work well for them in the market? Yeah, something we regularly recommend is a title survey. So you work either with your publisher or with some good team members that you have And you come up with some title options. You come up with some subtitle options because those subtitles are really important too. And you send a survey out to your list, to multiple lists, so you can get feedback and get a feel for what people are resonating with and what they aren't. 
And on the surveys we use, we also include space for them to leave comments. Like, why is this title your favorite? So we learn what's resonating with people or why was this title, you know, not, did not work for you. And we know what's turning people off. And I think that that's a great way to get subjective feedback. We do it anonymously because if you send it to just your friends and family and you know who it's coming from, they're going to be gentle and nice. And this is a time that you don't want gentle and nice. This is a time you want flat out honest. Sure. And so that might be one of the drawbacks you and I talked before about using social media to crowdsource titles. So if we go out to our friends on social media and we know where the feedback is coming from, they may be more kind. Whereas if we use a survey that's anonymous, we can create this opportunity for people to tell you what they really think. And you can certainly get ideas from social and you can get feedback. But I think anything that comes in through social, you take with just a a grain of salt you don't rely on it as, you know, 100% honest feedback. Sure, that's really helpful. So what about covers, Christy? You know, what's a general idea for authors, both self-published or traditionally published, to keep in mind as they move toward identifying the cover for their book? And just to keep in mind, all the places that your cover shows up, your cover is on Amazon, you use your cover on social, you use your cover on your website, you use your cover in all of your marketing efforts, anywhere your book shows up the visual identity of your book is defined by the cover. So what's important to figure out as it relates to selecting a good cover? I think covers are critical because, you know, we are visual people and we react visually to things. And so it's important to do some research to have a successful cover and find out what's working in the marketplace now, what looks modern, what looks fresh, what looks in line with other best-selling books in your category for the moment When I see covers that aren't successful, it's almost always because there's a disconnect between that visual image and the title or the subject matter, or, you know, it's a cover that looks dated. A choice of fonts can make your book look modern or make it look dated. That's how granular these design choices have to be. So I think it's really important to do research and really understand what's selling and what's working in the market. And to work with a professional artist, graphic artist, designer, someone who who knows what they're doing. Because while you may hold an image in your head for the cover, they'll be able to create something that's beyond your expectations and will meet market demand and will intrigue readers. So get professional help here. I think it's critical whether you're self-published or you're traditionally published. Well, let's talk now, Christy, about some important tips for people who are self-publishing, because I know I have a bias about this. And what I want if I see a self-published book is for it to be indistinguishable from a traditionally published book. When I land on that Amazon page or when I hold that book in my hand, I want to not be able to tell by looking at it that it's self-published because there is a different weightiness that comes and a different credibility that comes with a well-produced book. So if you are self-publishing, it is not the time to be skimping on the design of your book. No, not at all. And I agree with you. And sometimes you can tell a self-published book by looking at it because the cover design looks like they did it themselves in Photoshop or it has a personal picture on the cover or the fonts look old or the colors aren't vibrant. This is not the time to skimp. If you're working with a publisher, they're going to have talented artists in-house who know what they're doing and and will create beautiful covers for you. But self-published, hire somebody. This is not the time to go on Fiverr. You will get advice all over the internet. There are people giving advice to would-be authors 
just go on Fiverr and hire someone to do your cover. I'm sure there are fine people who are working on Fiverr, but this is the time to really invest. You want to co-create with a skilled graphic designer slash artist. Don't skimp here. Invest. Sure. And, you know, just like we recommended with titles and getting a survey, you can get feedback from others about your cover as well. And where potentially you don't have that design eye, maybe you can't look at a book and tell the difference between a self-published cover and a traditionally published cover. You can get feedback from others. And the best feedback will come from people who are in your target audience. So if you can identify in advance who it is that you want to read your book and who it is that you want to buy your book, then you can get feedback about the cover from them. You know, this isn't the time, you know, if I'm writing a book for women, I'm not going to go to my husband and say, hey, Eric, what do you think about this cover? Instead, I want to go to women who are in the demographic that I'm writing the book for to get their feedback on the cover. Absolutely. And hopefully you have a permission-based email marketing list, and that would include your target audience. So hopefully you could send a survey out because we do anonymous surveys here too. And one thing I want to circle back to, because if you're self-published, you're investing in so much, and you may be thinking, well, you know, I could save a little on the cover, but the content's so good, it's not going to matter. They're never going to get to the content. That cover can really make the difference between sales or no sales, or volume of sales, very low volume of sales. And that's why we say you should invest in it, because it really impacts the money you're going to make off of this book. That's great, Christy. And you know, I'm thinking about this. One of the ideas I've had in the past is to identify covers of books you love. And so as you're reading, you know, maybe keep a file of the book covers that you're particularly drawn to. And while that may be of some value, it can also have a downside because again, we can fall in love with what we love And what we love may not be the thing that our customer loves. And so it may be better to even go out, if you want to use social to crowdsource, hey, what's the best book cover you've seen recently for a book, you know, in the leadership space, you know, and potentially getting the feedback of what other people love could be more valuable to you than identifying the covers that you love. I think that's great advice. Thanks, Christy. So let's talk and think for a moment about some advice for people who are traditionally publishing because as a business, we most often serve people who are partnering with an independent or large traditional publisher to bring their book to market. And while we love these partnerships and we believe deeply in the value that a traditional publisher can bring, one of the frustrations that we've seen with our authors is, you know, nine times out of 10, they hate the covers that their publisher delivers to them. I don't think I'm being extreme with that statistic. Christy, what have you seen? I was going to say the same thing. They generally don't like the cover. And I think it's because they don't realize they have the power and the voice to change the cover. Especially first-time authors, they tend to go, oh, here's the cover my publisher came up with. I don't love it, but I'm stuck. And you're not stuck. You know, the publisher would like you to be happy too. So work with them collaboratively. You really have that opportunity. Speak up and say, this does not work for me. Why are you suggesting this? And they may say, well, because of all these reasons. And you listen to that and you may go, oh, wait, okay, I defer this time. But other times you may go, no, that's still not working. Let's go back to the drawing board. You can talk back to your publisher, basically. Let's give them permission to do that. Well, and you know, we've seen several of our authors do this well. And what sets them apart 
you know, typically the authors that we've worked with who are more experienced, they proactively come to the conversation with their publisher and they share openly about the parameters and ideas that they have in mind. And this might seem crazy, but some of our authors also have personally invested in their own artwork for their covers and you know, coordinated with their publisher to have that possibility so that the outcome and the product that they end up with is the one that they want. Now, you know, you may be afraid that you're going to step on your publisher's toes. And sometimes those publishers are a bit bent out of shape. But the more proactive you can be in helping to articulate what your vision is while being open to the fact that other people might know more than you know, you're going to get a better product in the end. Absolutely. And that's the goal is to put out the best book you can possibly put out in the world. A book that you don't look at and have regrets. You don't see it on a shelf and go, oh, I'm excited to see my book in this bookstore, but I really still hate that cover. Or, wow, I wish I had chosen a different title. You want to put your best work forward. And I think you do that collaboratively by working collaboratively. If you're self-published with a team that you pull together, or if you're traditionally published with your publishing team, We're best when we're together. And I think if you go into it with that openness, you'll be able to create a product that you're proud of for decades to come. I love that, Christy. So before we wrap up today's conversation, we do want to leave you with a couple of action items from today's podcast. This is the Book Marketing Action Podcast. So we want you to take action on what you hear. So the first action step that I would encourage you to take is to go over to your favorite online bookseller. Our new favorite is bookshop.org. Obviously, Amazon is a choice. And, you know, look at the top selling books in your category to get a sense of the covers that are performing well. And use some time to just browse and consider as you plan for your next book project what a successful cover looks like. So action step number one is just to go out and do some research about great performing book covers. Action step number two is to add to your list of things to do for your next book project, this idea of a title survey. As you do that, keep in mind that your working title is just that. It's a working title. It may not be the best possible title. And plan in advance that one of the steps in your process toward publication of your book will be a title survey so that you can get market feedback on the title that you're selecting. So those are two quick things that you can do today to set yourself up for success with your upcoming book project. The other thing that I would say is that at Weaving Influence, we have the most talented cover designer ever. And, you know, I might be biased, but if you are an author who's in the midst of a book project now and you could use some help with input on your book project, I would encourage you to contact me today. I'm Becky at weavinginfluence.com and we can talk about the way our team might be able to support you with any of these initiatives related to selecting the right title, the right cover for your next book project. Thanks for listening. And I hope you'll subscribe today and tell a friend about our show. I also hope you'll check out our course, The Book Marketing Action Guide, where we outline the four phases of book marketing with valuable resources to serve you at every stage of your author journey. Find out more at weavinginfluencelab.com.